Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hi guys and gals. If you're listening to this, thank you for downloading this episode and pushing the play button on the one and only RockyMountainATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and, of course, Race Tech. Three of the best companies out there. Go support them. They're awesome. They help this podcast out. And, of course, I have an email, chris at KieferInkTesting.com. If you have any questions on my advertisers, hit me up, and I'm happy to help you. Let's get some stuff out of the way here. Rocky Mountain ATV MC is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs and street bikes, even dual sport bikes, anything two wheels and four wheels, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping over 75 bucks. So easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the one-stop shop for all of us out there. Thank you, Rocky Mountain. Thank you, Fly Like an Eagle. Into the sea, fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. You like that? little music for you. Flyracing.com 2020 line is available. It's out there. Go check them out. Really cool stuff. I just got a couple sets of light hydrogen, but I think I'm going to migrate my way over to the Evolution 2.0 line, DST. It's soft material. And, of course, it has the boa reel. Zach Osborne's favorite. Holy shit, Zach Osborne likes a boa reel. If you listen to Zach on our Pulp MX network here, he talks about the boa reel and how, wish- how he wishes he could put a boa reel on anything and everything he has in his household. I don't know about all that, but I do like it. So check him out, flyracing.com. Racetech, racetech.com. New bike season. That doesn't mean you can't... Get your stuff serviced after you broke in your bike. People say, hey, Kiefer, I got 12 hours on my bike. It's brand new. Well, that oil that the manufacturers run in the fork and shock is probably not as good as Racetech's oil. So go get some shims redone if you guys feel like you want your stuff revalved. Shims are a good thing at times. And, of course, you guys just want your stuff serviced, bushings, fork seals, oil, Head them over, racetech.com. You guys want a discount, hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com, and I will get you in touch with Chris over there. That's right, his name is Chris too. He's a good dude. And we'll get you guys a Kiefer tested discount. And last, but certainly not least, Paul Parabinos, protaper.com. This bike we're talking about could benefit a protaper with a protaper bar, uh, protaper Evo, or you know what? I've been running a fusion bar with a crossbar lately. I do like it. So go check them out, ProTaper, ProTaper.com. And there are a bunch of good dudes over there. So do yourself a favor. Get rid of a rigid bar and get a bar with flex. And that is the ProTaper bar. So as we are here upon the 2020 season, it's been rolling out, dude. It has been two to three times a week, new bike season. Trying to get these guys knocked out for you, get a first impression, get some settings up, and get through this stuff so we can start shootouts. Yes, we will be going eastbound-ish, maybe not all the way back east, but uh, this year in 2020, we got approval from all the manufacturers. I had a hard time getting everybody on board before, but this year seemed to be earlier. We're going to migrate these bikes to some different soils, some different tracks, so we're not riding the same shit all the time out here. Like all of us do, I'm guilty of it as well. You know, I know all of you guys out there listening don't all live in California. So I get a lot of guys from Europe, Australia, East Coast, Canada, uh, even Japan. So we're going to try to get some different dirt underneath these motorcycles for shootouts. But I want to get these first impressions up for those of you guys really wanting to know uh, which way to spend your money. 
And this podcast is all about the 2020 Honda CRF450R. I have the sheet here. You guys can hear this thing. This is like a dinner table sheet they give us when we go to these intros. Anything and everything that goes along with this 2020 Honda is on here. There is not much, okay, this year. To go with the theme of revisions and slight tweaks, basically that's Honda's 450 MO this year. Honda two, The Honda 250 did um, get actually a lot of changes this year. We will be hitting that up this week on Wednesday, so stay tuned for that podcast coming up. Um, but that doesn't mean out there, you guys listening to this, hey, Kiefer, I get a lot of questions. Hey, I can, I can spend you know, $10,000 on a 2020, or I can save myself 2000 bucks and buy a 19. So in this podcast, we will cover that, and I will tell you the honest-to-God truth, like, hey, yeah, a 20 is worth it, or no, the 19 is just as good, and that's what you should buy. So we will cover that. I will cover some settings. I brought along three riders, including me, so a total of three riders to Fox Raceway, a.k.a. Paula Raceway, and we got... Basically, the theme for me this year is to get one SAG reading and to get all three riders happy with the setting. Again, if you guys listen to this podcast, you know where I'm going with this. This is how we test in the manufacturer world. And again, I do stuff for Honda. This is how we do it. And we basically try to get a wide range of riders a lighter guy, a mid-range guy, which is our baseline SAG guy, and then a heavier guy. So I've been trying to do that this year for the 2020 bikes. So that way, when I do give you guys that baseline setting, it's a wide range. So I know not everyone's all dick and ribs, not 170 pounds, you know, not 200 pounds. So I'm going to try to encompass um, one base setting with the SAG reading for all three riders. So that's the base setting I'm going to give you guys here today, and uh, just kind of rip along how this bike feels, what the changes are, and how all these guys like this bike. So what did Honda change for 2020? Again, like we said, not a lot of changes, a small revisions, but from what I can see over on keyforingtesting.com, you guys love Honda content. Two things that are very popular over on my website, Hondas and suspension content, anything to do with suspension and red bikes. You guys love that shit. So I'm going to really try hard to dig deep and dive into some base settings for you guys for those that are on a 2020 Honda. Now, just so you guys know out there, this base setting will not work for a 2019 bike. So don't email me and ask me. It will not. The valving has changed for 2020. So this stuff is based upon 2020 fork and shock. Just so so we're all clear with that, because my email does go off, and some of those questions are really fucking dumb, and I get mad. I love helping you guys, but some of you guys out there, holy balls, dude. You got to fill me in on some things. You know, hey, Kiefer, I got a Honda. What's the clickers? How many clickers should I do? Dude, I don't know how much you weigh. What are you riding off road? Are you riding moto? Are you a front end steering guy? What's the year of your bike? I don't know anything. Give me some factual information so I can help you. I want to help you, but I also don't want—I don't want to waste my time on some dumbass emails. So help me help you, just like Jerry Maguire did. Let me help you, okay? Give me some information. All right. Now that I'm done getting mad at y'all, what did they change for 2020? Like I said, fork and shock revisions. What was Honda's goal for 2020 with the Honda 450? They wanted to keep some comfort because last year the Honda did have some comfort. The chassis was a little bit rigid, but the fork and shock was fairly comfortable, but it blew through at times on hard hits. They're trying to get some extra holdup and create a firmer feeling without getting a harsher feeling at the same time. So that was Honda's goal. Little things besides that, okay? Um, they took the rear plastic discard off. Woohoo! Not a big deal. They're trying to get <laughs> in this little spiel they give us. They say, unsprung weight. Dude, listen to me. If you can feel, if you take off your rear discard, your plastic discard on your 2019, and you could feel the difference, I'll hire you. 
I'll, I will hire you to be my test guy because goddamn, dude, I cannot feel that. So if they're saying unsprung weight, I don't know what, who's feeling that because I don't feel that. So needless to say, they took it off for unsprung weight and heat dissipation. Now I can see that. You guys are brake draggers like my buddy Gary Sutherland. He brake drags the shit out of his bikes. Sometimes that guard doesn't let the air flow through the disc and it can create more heat. So that's good. And a lot of the times when I had the old Hondas, I took that plastic discard off anyway. You guys will say, well, what about rocks and things hitting it? Look, that plastic guard wasn't really worth a shit anyway. It didn't really do much. It just kind of was there. And uh, Honda wouldn't take that thing off if it was worried about the disc getting damaged. So I can guarantee you that. Honda is very meticulous when it comes to reliability, durability, and um, things of that nature. So I'm fairly certain that um, they're certain that they know that nothing's going to get damaged back there. Uh, They have new rear brake pad material, again, for improved performance. Uh, We will touch on that a little bit as well. And, of course... What I do really like is those bold new graphics. I mean, come on. It has some black trim in it. It still has that white CRF, but now it has a little bit of black. And uh, I'm just kidding, right? You guys know I'm playing with you. Look, a little bit of black in there, no big deal. Uh, it, it doesn't really, if you guys are not really familiar with Hondas, you probably wouldn't even know the difference. But for those of us that are diehard, we do see that black trim in there. And I, and I like it. And Honda went with that black rim a couple years ago. What? No, it, Two years, wait, yeah, two years ago, and uh, of course, black rims are awesome. They're still using that in their marketing little dinner table plate thing that I got here. They're saying, "Hey, we got black rims still," which is cool. I like black rims. Um, another feature for 2020, they did add Honda selectable torque control. What is that? So, just like on the KTM and Husqvarna's, there is air quotes here, guys, traction control. Now, it goes off of RPM. It doesn't go off of the rear wheel. So how, the, how does that work for you? We're going we're gonna to touch on that. We played around with it, and uh, we're going to ask you guys to get involved here and let me know if, you, if that makes a difference to you. I'm curious as well. So you can hit me up on my, on my email and say, Kiefer, I really don't give a shit about this. Or, yeah, it does make a difference for when I want to purchase a bike. I'm curious, and I kind of want to – get some data for me to see if you guys even care about this torque control or if you even use it. So um, Honda added that to their already three maps that they have for the map switch. You have a standard map, smooth map, and aggressive map. You have these three, there's three, selectable torque control settings, okay? And then, of course, you have your launch control. So you have a total of nine different buttons to play with. It is a lot. But nonetheless, they give you options for you guys out there. And I will say this before we get into the whole testing portion of this podcast. It does work. There are portions of the track and certain times of the day that this Honda selectable torque control does work. Is it something that for me personally that I'm going to be like, oh, man, I need that. That's why I'm going to go buy a Honda. No, there's a lot of other reasons I can come up with that I want to go buy a Honda, not this Honda selectable torque control. So, but I am stoked that they offer you guys, um, especially for you guys. I know some of you in Europe ride really hard pack tracks. I've been there. I've been in Italy a couple times and tested. And holy shit, you guys ride some hard pack stuff. Nothing like we have out here. So um, I can see where that comes in handy. All right, engine. So let's just dive down to it. They did remap uh, the ECU. So What's Honda's goal in these new three in the three maps that Honda came up with for 2020 was basically to have more of a controlled feel in the engine. The Honda Slow said no one ever. Look, this Honda hauls ass. My race bike was too fast. My pussy ass couldn't hold on to it. I'm 170 pounds. I'm not built like Travis Preston. I can't hold on that son of a bitch. And then stock form. That thing is fast. I can guarantee you when these shootouts come, and you guys are going to look, because I know you're going to bail on me over here at Kiefer Inc. and go look at MXA and Michael Lindsay's shootout, and you're going to look at these dyno charts. I get it. 
Dyno charts are cool to look at. It's not the end-all, be-all. It doesn't mean because Honda has the most peak horsepower, which they do, doesn't mean it's the best motorcycle out there. And just like I said, if you look at the curve on all these bikes, when you see these dyno charts, the Honda has the most horsepower. And I probably can guarantee you it's probably over 60 horsepower. This thing is fast. So Honda is trying to come up with a map that is good for a wide range of riders that's easier to control. We want you to use all this power, but yet we want you guys to be able to hold on to this bike for more than three laps. I remember when this bike came out in 2017, dude, it was too fast. It was too jumpy. You try to roll your corners and it would upset the chassis on off throttle the, the the bike would pitch and it just wasn't fun to ride unless you're going in a straight line or riding some really soft sandy tracks. Look, when the track gets rough, guys, you want to have a controlled engine, much like a KTM and Husqvarna. Some of you guys say, man, those bikes are too slow off the bottom. But I can appreciate those bikes because they're so easy to manage down low. At certain times, of course, you want some more to get out of a corner, get out of some soft dirt, to clear a jump. I get it. You will never have that problem on a Honda. So I'll break down the maps. So map one, I would say, is still fairly aggressive. I had Chase Cook from Rocky Mountain ATV. He rides, I would say he's a intermediate type of rider. He mentioned to me, Kiefer, it's too much still. So I suggested, hey, Chase, try map two. And he rode it in map two. He's like, man, it's like a completely different motorcycle. I love it. I can I can corner better. I can dive inside. It's more manageable. I'm not scared to death from this map one. So he loved map two. I, on the other hand, I love map one. That's where I ride. This new 2020 map one map, okay, that they did. I like it. It To me, from the 19, it is a little bit smoother on initial throttle, from 0 to 15% throttle opening. I like that. That's what I need to roll my corners better. When the track gets choppy, you have these gnarly choppy bumps out of a corner and you got to get over a double like Paula has. Map 1 settled the chassis better than the 2019 did. I like that. Colton Eck, he's my he's a good kid. He rides professional uh, motocross and supercross. He's a privateer. He's fairly aggressive on the throttle. He prefers map three. He thought that map three was better for him because he could get in and out of corners quicker, but yet he's a little stronger than me, so he can manage that torque coming out. I simply just can't. I'm getting a little older. I ride smoother. I prefer a smoother map. Map one was fine for me, but I can still ride at a high level so I can appreciate the power curve that map one has, unlike Chase where he's a little bit uh, down on technique uh, he struggles in corners, so map two will help him out. So kudos to Honda for creating some different maps for 2020 that actually help the rider. And the big question that you guys are going to ask, does it help the chassis? Yes, it does. And we will get to that part here in a minute. But let's finish off this engine portion. So now with this newfound smoothness, we got some linear pull. How is the engine now? To me... I would say, and I'm trying to rate the bikes that I've ridden so far, Honda simply has the best, most powerful engine now for 2020 because of the new map. I wish I would have had this stock engine in my race bike um, from rounds one and two. Not because Chad doesn't do great work. Chad has an excellent motorcycle. It's just the rider wasn't good enough to handle what I had. And, of course, I didn't have enough time to change my stuff on my bike. So for those of you that want a fast engine and want to get some hole shots, uh, look no further. This engine is very good. There is no decel pop. The ECU settings are very clean. And this thing will rev out far for a 450. Second gear is usable. When you're in map two, third gear in the corners, I can't pull third gear. I have to use the clutch. But in map one, I can use third gear with a little bit of a fan of the clutch. It does have a good enough recovery that I can roll third gear, third gears in most corners. Colton also says he can ride in third gear in map three. So I appreciate a 450 that I can be a little bit lazier. 
And of course, this Honda, you can do that with because the engine is so damn good. And of course, Honda's MO is peak horsepower. Even in the 250 class, if you look at dyno charts, the front side of the engine power is, is not great, but always the tail end of it, man, it, it, it revs out far, it pulls hard. So if you're an aggressive type of rider, this engine will reward you. Do I recommend this engine for a slower vet guy? It's a 50 it's 50 thing for me. So, some of you guys out there listening, you're like, hey, I'm 210 pounds. I'm a, I'm a B rider. I just I like to go around on weekends. I think sometimes it can be good for that type of guy because you can be lazy because it has so much damn power. But if you're a weekend warrior and your technique's not great, it might be too much bike, simply put. It just could be too much. So, again, hit me up on my email. We can discuss it if you guys have a problem with that. But just just know that it's a lot of engine, and you're going to have to really pay attention to which map you like the most. Go out, experience it, put map 1 in for 10 minutes, go to map 2 for 10, go to map 3 for 10. And if it doesn't take you 10 minutes to decide, good, awesome. Switch the map, do something different. But for sure, just try all the maps, that's why they're there. I know some of you guys don't even touch shit, you don't check sag, you just go ride the thing. That's why all this technology is here for all of us to use. Just know that. Consumers, listen. <laughs> R&D is created in these manufacturers for you guys to have a wide variety of settings. This is why we put three different maps, three different Honda selectable torque control settings, and of course, launch control settings. So they're there for your disposal. You guys should try them out. Nonetheless, if you don't like them, that's fine. But at least try these these things out. So, so the Honda compared to the 2019, I'll, I'll throw these little tidbits in here as well. It's different because the mapping is better. The mapping is simply just, like I said, a little bit linear. Pulls a little bit longer in the mid-range. Top-in overrev is very similar to 2019. But just from bottom to mid, is that's where you're going to feel the difference if you're coming off of a 19. So... Yes, a little bit smoother, not drastic, doesn't make the bike feel lazy. It's just, let's say if um, 2019 engine was a 3, this is a 3 plus for me. It's a slight change. Some of you guys will notice it, some of you guys won't, but uh, just know that I felt it, and I think it's a change for the better. Moving on the suspension, this was always a finicky thing in my email inbox because you guys say, hey man, my fork and shock. I'm having problems with the Honda. It it to me, the Showa stuff is really good. I I thought it had a lot of comfort, but it, the most of the problem that you guys are feeling that you may not be aware of is in the chassis portion of this bike. It's it's rigid. You know, until Honda comes up with a different style frame, it's going to be a stiffer natured feel if you're coming off of anything else, a Cowie, a Yamaha. The the closest thing that I would say the bike could relate to is a Suzuki. That's it. A Suzuki is a similar feel. It has a more rigid feeling frame and as well as a Honda. Now take note, as we talk about rigidity, notice how the Suzuki and the Honda turn the best. They are, simply put, the best in class for turning because of how stiff nature the frame is. So with the changes Honda made in 2020, they got a little bit extra hold up. To me, the bike doesn't pitch as much as previous years. When this fork broke in 10 to 12 hours, I got a lot of, a lot of front-end dive on D-cells, especially when the track got soft. This is not as apparent in the 2020 realm now. Now I can haul ass, third gear, soft conditions, down a straightaway, chop the throttle, there's not as much dive. If you look at Roxon's bike, pay attention to what Kenny's doing when he's off throttle. That bike doesn't move. It doesn't slam forward. It doesn't pitch forward. It doesn't, uh, when he's under throttle out of a corner, it doesn't sit back. It doesn't get low. This bike is a better version of the 2019 because there's less of that. Of course, you have to have comfort in a standard production bike. So it's not going to be terribly stiff like Roxon's bike, of course. But, it is a little bit firmer of a feel for the better. Again, for the better. We have a little bit of a better engine. We have a little bit better suspension feel. So that does the combination of a firmer feeling fork and shock with a more linear engine power helps 
the chassis feeling. And this is where I'm going to seamlessly draw you in the chassis. Is the bike handle, does the bike handle better for 2020? Yes. Simply put, not because they made any changes to the frame, because they didn't, but because the linear power, the roll-on feel, and now I got some suspension that holds up a little bit, the chassis has better track toughness. You guys go to my keyforinktesting.com website. We talk about the 2019 CRF450R track toughness. I feel like the track toughness area improved for 2020. It's not a drastic change, okay? You're not going to get on this thing and go, holy shit, Kiefer, man, I feel the, the gnarliest difference. It's not like that. It's subtle. It's a little bit better. That's all we can ask for as consumers. Are the bikes improving from year to year? This bike did improve a little bit. It's not a huge difference, but again, when the track got rough at Paula, Colton is a Honda rider. He's very familiar with Hondas, okay? He even thought, man, this, this bike is better than my race bike. And I, I kind of dived in more with him on that, and I go, well, why is that, Colt? Why do you think that is? He's like, man, I just think my stuff is too stiff when I, when I race, and this stuff's a little bit softer, so I have a little bit more comfort, but yet I'm not getting that pitch and that low rear end feeling when I'm on the gas. Um, and I was shocked that I didn't get that because on my race bike, I don't get that, but it just feels harsh. So he's like, man, I feel like this has the comfort that I want, and it doesn't have a lot of pitching off throttle. So chassis feeling coming in the corners was better for him. He thought he can enter his corners better on this 2020. So to me, that holds weight for me, okay? You have a guy that rides a Honda constantly, is no bullshit. He's talking to me away from the people, and he's like, dude, this stuff is better than what I have. So that tells me those guys over there did something right, and this bike is better. Now, when I hop on it, I don't freak out as much as Colt. I feel like, yes, it is a little bit better. It does hold up um, quite well. I still feel like it's pretty soft in the rear, if you're coming into a G out or a, a steep jump face, it's kind of empty on the shock. And hey, you're going to hear a lot of those words out in the freaking media world now. A lot of these guys are using my words. Empty. Oh, man, there's so many words. I'm going to make a podcast about words that we use in, in testing, and we're just going to name them all and then see who uses them. That'll be fun. Linear. Empty. Roll on, pitch, yeah, let's do that. Anyway, off topic. <laughs> Look, a little bit more comfort, still has an empty feeling on the shock for high speed, so I'm going to read you guys off some suspension specs. So get your pins out. I'm waiting for you. Here we go. So we came up with a fork setting of a compression six clicks out. Rebound, eight clicks out, Okay. SAG is a little bit different for 2020. Kaz and the guys over at Showa want us to run at 105. We ran it at 105, which is good. And that is different compared to last year we ran 107, 108. So try 105 for a SAG. Four compression, six out. Rebound, eight out. Now on the shock, you want to go anywhere from two and a half to two and three quarters out on high-speed compression. Low speed compression, eight clicks out, rebound, seven. So these are a little bit different from stock settings. The stock setting is on the fork, eight out and nine out on the rebound. Shock, high speed is three out, low speed is nine out, rebound is seven. Again, 105 for a shock setting. And, of course, fork height, that is something you guys need to play with. At Paulo, rerun five millimeters. Someone, someone like... Um, I would say Chase and myself at Glen Helen would want to run a fork height of two millimeters because it's faster, high speed. I want some little extra holdup coming down the hill. So fork height is important still on this bike. So just really pay attention to fork height and uh, the condition that you're in. If you have a tighter, tackier track, five millimeters. If you got a faster, choppier, rougher track, drop that fork down. Get it at 2 mil, and that bike will handle better. So those are the settings that we went to that all three of us, again, I'm 170, Chase is around 
160. Colt is a little bit heavier, me, heavier than me, about 175. So a wide range there for you guys. Again, if you're 180, you might use, I would say, at least for the high-speed compression on the shock, get two and a half out. You want that sucker a little bit stiffer because on the in-stroke, again, like I said, it is soft, a little bit empty, and it just it hurts a little bit if you uh, really blow through the in-stroke. So, um, again, a little bit better suspension setting, not huge. How does this bike corner, Kiefer? We talked about this. To me, one of the best bikes to corner. It's not light on paper, but the bike doesn't feel heavy when you ride it. Change of directions, all that, it's easy to do on this bike. Has good front-end feel. If you're a front-end steering guy, this is the bike because it has a lot of front-wheel traction, especially now this fork is a little bit better in hold-up area. I don't get such an understeer feel. That is a big topic on my emails. I get these headings that says, understeer, CRF450. I already know what you guys are talking about. So this 2020 fork does help that. The initial lean of the bike is a little bit better. Hey, it's commercial time. Sorry to interrupt your bitchin' podcast about the CRF 450R, but we got to pay some bills. But hey, listen to these. Just like Tony said, listen to me. These are podcasts that help you, but also save you some money. Help me help you save money. Listen to these commercials. Thanks to the guys over at 6D Helmets. That's right there on board with the KieferInkTesting.com. Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 60helmets.com. Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay? I do feel the safest in a 60 helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race proven. I'm telling you guys, and it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 60 helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at keferinktesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 6D. So please, guys, go check them out. 6D helmets. Hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 6D. Have you guys checked out bloodlubricants.com? If you haven't, bludlubricants.com. Go check them out. Three new series of oils, Blood Power Sport Series, the Blood Racing Pro Series, and the Blood Racing Pro Elite Series. I have Michael Allen here with me. We've been doing two different types of oils in our test bike. Mike has been doing the Blood Power Sport Series. Everything going good there? Everything's going good. I use it in all our test bikes, the ones that I prep and maintain. And uh, it runs a little cooler than production oils. And uh, I know you've done some testing with that. Yeah, so basically before Jeff and the guys came on board, I had to check the legitimacy of this stuff because um, I didn't want no crap involved in keyframe testing. Um, honestly, tried it. Was very surprised about the oil did some temperature readings it was a little over 30 degrees cooler in my yz450f compared to some other oils i've been running so the stuff is good they sponsor over 250 racers from enduro enduro cross hair scrambles utvs supercross now they got some supercross guys so go check them out bloodlubricants.com use the discount code kefer and get some percentage off your oils they'll ship them to you probably get a hat or two you know, Jeff's a good dude. Go check him out, bloodlubricants.com. The one thing that bums me out about racing moto is waiting around all day just to do two or four motos. I don't want to be sitting at the track all day and have three hours in between my motos. Well, you know what? Old Timers Association has been around a long time, and the guys from Oregon Old Timers have come on board with this podcast and want me to talk to you about their series. Very cool series. I've raced them before. They have 20-minute motos, long motos. Usually you're done by 3 o'clock, you're in and out, you get to race, go home, finish your chores, spend time with your family, go do stuff with your wife, whatever it is. It's a fun, family-filled environment there. They have races all over. It's not just in Oregon. They have races in California, Glen Helen, Montana, Richland, Washington, 
They go to Hangtown. They go to Washington again in Washougal, which is very cool. And, of course, they go to British Columbia, Boise, Idaho, even Edmonton, Canada, and Fernley, Nevada. You can check out the series at OregonOldTimers.com, and you will even see me at a couple rounds this year. So check them out. Hey, Heather. Hey, Chris. Did you know that every two-stroke KTM and Husqvarna come with a Vertex piston in the engine from the factory? No, I did not. 65 years ago, Vertex piston was founded in a small technical workshop in northern Italy. Today, because of the renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex is an OEM supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, and more exotic brands like Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. No matter which brand of bike you ride with, when it's time to go ride or time to rebuild your top end, Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see their full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons in replica, high-compression, or GP-style configurations, visit them at VertexPistons.com or stop in your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Piston Kit today. And if you guys want a discount code, hit me up, Chris, at KeeferInkTesting.com, and I've got one for you. Save some money. VertexPistons.com. You guys want some FMF Racing swag, t-shirts, hats, hoodies? Use the code Kiefer19. Do yourself a favor. Do it. Save some money. Look cool. Going back to school, all of your friends and girls and guys will be jealous of you. Go to FMF Racing. Kiefer19 will save you some dough. Do it. Thanks for getting through it. I appreciate it. The advertisers appreciate it, but most of all, you're going to appreciate it because you're going to save some money. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. Cornering stability. Another word that we use in the testing world that you might hear from other media outlets. Cornering stability is better because of the ECU maps, not because of the suspension changes. ECU maps helped cornering stability. When you're going in a corner and you're laying in that thing and you roll on the throttle and there's some chugs in there and there's some shit, this is a better bike because of the delivery of the engine. So listen to me. If I had to rate which bikes corner the best, I would say Honda and then KTM and Husky are pretty close. And then for me, who I would say Suzuki, Yamaha, Cowie. That's how I'd rate my cornering shootout here, right here. Uh, the Honda feels really good. When you hop on this bike, all three riders, and even the other media outlets we were around, I think we were around Cycle News and Swap Moto Live, all of those guys that were testing are like, dude, once you hop on a Honda, it just feels good. And they're right. You can just sit on a Honda right now, and you're like, I feel at home. The shrouds feel narrow. The bike um, it overall feels narrow. The, ha- the new handlebar that they came out with a couple years ago, this Renthal Fat Bar, is a good, nice bend feel. It is a little bit stiff. I would rather go to a similar band and a pro taper band. I would go to an SX Race uh, Evo style band if you don't like a crossbar. Um, and right away, when you do put a pro taper bar on versus a Renthal Fat Bar, you will notice a little less vibration and more dampening character up front. That is no bullshit. Renthal bars are strong. Fat bars are strong, but they are stiff-natured bars, and they do increase vibration. So I'm not a huge fan of vibration on a Honda because I'm already dealing with some rigidity, so I'm out. I need some flex. I'm old. I'm 43. I need some give. I need some cush, right? Just like I tell Heather, big butt, I like a little cush. Same thing. Pro taper bars, like a big Heather's ass. Some cushion. I'm only saying that because she's in the studio right now listening to me. So anyway, but yeah, no shit. It's, it's more cushion. You get a better feel. But anyway, like I said, Honda does feel really good when you sit on it, guys. Um, go, sit, go to the dealership and go, if the dealership's a Honda Kawasaki dealership, go sit on both. I almost can guarantee you just sitting on the bike, the Honda just going to feel like home. It just, for a wide range of riders, five, I think Chase, geez, he's, he's a short little guy. He's like a little hobbit. He's like 5'7", and then you got Colt and I, we're near 6'1", six six so uh, it feels great for both of us. The rider triangle, another testing term, look out, uh, is very, very nice for a wide range of riders, so kudos. Um, you want to know what else is cool? MX3S tires. You want to know what else is even cooler than that? I've heard, and this is a rumor, 
that Dunlop is going to stick with an MX3S front tire because maybe someone was bitching about him. MX33, maybe someone was bitching about how they love the MX3S tire and how it was better on lean angle and how it had more comfort and how it just had overall better traction. Well, a 2020 Honda still has MX3S tires, but there is hope. We might still be able to buy a Dunlop MX3S front tire. Holy shit. That was great news when I heard it. I heard that over the rumor mill, and if that's true, that's badass. Thank you, Dunlop, for listening, and I felt like I started that movement. So if it does happen, and you guys are listening, thank me. Tell Dunlop, thank Chris Kiefer, because I felt like I was the head of that movement, because I bitched and complained enough. But Honda kept the Dunlop MX3S front and rear tire. Again, run about 13.5 in those suckers. Excellent traction. I love those tires a lot. Will they last? No, of course not. Don't email me and bitch at me and say, oh, they chunked. I know they chunk. They'll chunk around 8 to 10 hours if you're riding a lot and you're hard on the throttle and you ride semi-hard conditions. But they will work. For those 10 hours, it will be a great tire. I'm looking for performance. If you want longevity and durability, we can talk about that some other time. But... For a performance-based machine like a Honda CRF450R, you need good tires. And, of course, Dunlop MX3 tires are, 3S tires are good. Now, we've wrapped this thing up. Kiefer, what should I do? I'm at the dealership. Johnny Dealerships has, it says, hey, hey, buddy. Uh, I got a 2020 right here for 10G. But I got a 2019 right over here, brand new. $8,000, whatever. I'm just painting a picture for y'all. What should I do? Look, if it was me and it was my one and only bike and I was a Honda guy and that's where I'm going, I'm buying a 2019. Why? I feel like I can get my suspension done. Whatever, you can go to race tech, go whatever you want to do. I'm not pushing that on you. I'm just saying, you're saving yourself $2,000. You can get a suspension Revalve for your weight if needed, and maybe it doesn't need it, okay? And then you could stick a, a muffler on. You can go with a, an aftermarket muffler and get a little bit more juice, have it sound a little bit better, lose some weight. And to me, the, the differences in the 2020 and the 2019 are not worth $2,000 Now, if the differences is less than that, I would say go to 2020 simply because of the ECU changes. The ECU changes are worth, to me, if we're monetizing this, $1,000 to $1,500. Because if you go get your 2019 reflash, you're spending a few hundred dollars. And this, let's say you're going to a Vortex, you're going to spend $1,000. Because the box isn't cheap. The maps aren't cheap. So do yourself a favor and just buy a 2020 if it's less than two grand or so. Um, I feel like... With the ECU and the suspension changes, that that is it's worth it to me. But if it's over two grand, twenty five hundred bucks, man, nineteen is going to be just fine for you. If you're just looking to go have a good time and uh, have a nice, strong engine and a fun bike to ride, so uh, the Honda is a fun bike to ride, guys. I, when I ride it, I do have fun. I smile because it's fast. I, I kind of like the way it sounds. A lot of you guys bitch and moan about the dual uh, mufflers. It doesn't bother me that much. And uh, I think it looks cool. It's a little bit different than everyone else. And, of course, there's nothing – I'm going to say this loud and proud. There is not a better-looking bike when new than a Honda. Probably going to get a lot of flack for that. But straight up, red, black rims, it just looks sexy. I love it. Like, it's beautiful-looking bike. I have it out in the garage right now, and I look at it. I'm like, that's a good-looking bike. I have some other bikes out in the garage don't look as good. Honda is damn good looking. And I think some of you guys out there just buy the damn bike for the for the looks only. I've talked to guys like, oh, it looks sick. I'm buying a Honda. All right. Well, there you go. Kudos to you, Honda, and the, and the art design team for designing a badass motorcycle that looks bitching. So um, 2020 Honda, a little bit better, guys. And uh, it was fun to ride this thing. It's cool to see it evolve a little bit. Uh, I've kind of had 
a little bit a part of it since 2017, and I've watched it evolve, and it's become one of my, I don't know, I would say one of my three top three to, yeah, I'd say top three bikes to ride. I like it a lot, especially with a little bit of work. Um, if you guys are wondering what I would do to my bike, because I get those emails as well, if I was going to 2020 bike, I would have Chad map me a Vortex Ignition, get a map in there for pump fuel, T4, and then Pro 6, because each map that he has is drastically different from the other, and there's different characters each map has. I would stick a FMF or a Yoshimura pipe on that sucker. I would get a Guts ribbed seat cover. And I would go with some suspension. Obviously, I can't go back to my factory life, so I can't get that. But I have a set of A-Kit Race Tech stuff on that I can bolt right up, and I am stoked with. That right there is a fun bike to ride. That's what I would do to my Honda. I would not mess with the engine, besides those ECU changes that we talked about. And I would ride the shit out of it. And some of you say, Kiefer, what about the clutch? The clutch hasn't changed. It is a little bit of a heavier pull. If you guys are looking for a little bit of a lighter pull and a more linear feel from the clutch engagement, not such an on-off feel and a wider engagement, hit up Chad at XPR. He has a different clutch actuator arm that's a little bit longer that makes that sucker deliver that, feeds that clutch out super smooth. It's really good. He has to special make these clutch actuator arms, so they're not cheap, probably around two to 300 bucks. But it really makes a difference when you're feeding that clutch out um, coming out of a corner. And you want that smoother feel, not such a grabby feel. And uh, that's the way I would look at it, man. It's just a grabby feel at times when I'm trying to fan it and trying to make that bike recover. So that arm kind of helps that along to make it just a little bit smoother. And uh, yes, this clutch, stock clutch doesn't last as long. I would go to a recluse torque drive or a Henson full setup along with that arm, and you will have a buttery feel at the lever. And while you're at it, go to a works connection lever. That makes it a little bit better. And, uh, yeah, be happy. So there is one weak point on the Honda. We all know this. We've talked about it. Is the clutch, stock clutch. They do not break clutch fibers anymore, so don't stress on that. I haven't broke a clutch fiber since 2017. So just know that was a problem back then. They do not do that anymore, but they will um, burn out a little bit sooner than other clutches. KTM Husqvarna has simply the best clutch. They last a long time. I would say Yamaha is second, but Honda has to do some work to their clutch to make it last longer. And uh, So yeah, that basically wraps up this 2020 bike. I'm going to ride this thing I would say at least 10 to 15 more hours. I want to get you guys some more settings, some tips and tricks. I'm going to try some of my 2019 magic to this bike to see if it helps it. And I have a couple new little tricks up my sleeve that we will talk about on a Living With podcast that we will do right here at Kiefer Inc. Testing. And I might bring in a special guest. Special guest will be awesome because this guy rides a Honda. He knows a lot about it. He's been around the block a little bit with the Honda machines. And maybe he can give you some technical insight on the mechanical side of this thing. So that should be fun too. So these are things that we're going to try to do on this Honda. We try to have fun over here at Keyfring Testing as well as bring you factual information with bitchin' testing terms that other people are jumping on the bandwagon, and we're bringing back Dunlop MX3S's. Let's go. We're bringing it back. Dunlop, Dunlop, MX3S, MX3S. Woo, woo, woo. Let's go, as Adam Intiknap would say. I'm stoked. Hey, thank you guys for listening to this fun shit. It's fun for me to do. This is just me uh, being me, having fun, downloading some information to you. Hopefully you guys tell your buddies Tell your wives, tell whoever loves dirt bikes, get in on this podcast because it's a freaking fun ride. It's not just boring, uh, six clicks out, yeah, it works good in the corners, this bike is a little better, yeah, it's 98.99 MSRP, dude, I'm over it. Media testing should not be boring, it should be fun, get you guys some information, 
make you spend your money in the right direction. Dude, dirt bikes are meant to be fun. This isn't rocket science. We try to download correct information, but have fun. Jeez, man. Hit me up, Chris, at keyforinktesting.com if you have questions. That's another thing that we do here. We try to give you guys personal attention. Ain't no one else doing that. Nope. Can't do it. Jody ain't answering your emails. You know what I'm doing? My wife's sitting here. She'd tell you. I'm answering a shit ton of emails from you guys because I want you guys happy. I want you guys to have fun. And I want to have a smile on your face. And when I see you at the track, I want you to go high five, boom. What's up, Kiefer? Thank you for helping me make the correct decision. I love it. I love it. I met a guy Thursday at Glen Helen. said, Kiefer, I bought a bike, this bike right here, because of you. That is why I do it. I'm not getting rich. Trust me. Not getting rich. <laughs> but I do have fun with this. So thank you guys for listening. Support the advertisers that support this podcast. They keep this thing up and running. And if they're on this podcast, people, it's good shit. It's not crap. I turn down stuff monthly. I turn down advertisers monthly because I do not want to take their money and push it on you guys if it's shitty. So if it's on this podcast, chances are super high that it's legit. So just know that. So thank you for listening. Stay tuned for a lot more, man. We got 2020 CRF 250R. We got Aiden, my son, transitioning from an 85 to a 125 SX KTM. We're going to talk to you parents out there about what to expect, what to do, talk to you kids on how to transition, how to take it easy, what to expect, and how to get comfortable on a bigger bike. We're going to talk to you about that step by step, and it's a family affair over here. We just don't talk trash and cuss sometimes. Sometimes this podcast is G-rated. That will be one of them. I'll have my kid. I'll have my wife. We will talk about the transition from going from mini bike to big bike. It's an important one. I feel like there's not enough of that out there, so we're going to be doing that. And we have a YZ450F2020. Michael Lindsay already did that. I'll give him a shout-out. He did. Have, he does have a YouTube page. You go check it out over there. He did a 2020 uh, YZ450 first impression. He has bigger balls than I do. I would not do it because there is an embargo on that till the 30th, but... He went out and purchased his own bike, did his own shit. Go check out his YouTube page. He's a good kid. And uh, I feel like, uh, yeah, like I said, he has big balls. I I wouldn't do that. But nonetheless, if you guys are wondering about that, you go check it out. Maybe you guys can learn something. Um, It's all about love. ELE over here, everybody. Everybody love everybody. My wife's giving me a mean look, so that means I got to get off this podcast. So thank you guys for listening. See you in a couple days with more information and laughs. See you guys.